0: And there's people I I see get away with, not murder, but, like, that's kind of a terrible uh, analogy to make, you know, in this environment.
1: I'm Justin. And I'm Laura. And this is Count Time from the Inside. Hey guys, this week we're going to have a topic we just can't really escape because it's everywhere and we all know what's going on. Uh, It's about COVID, so we all know it's different for everyone, but uh, Justin, I want to hear what your experience is right now. Go ahead. They've been
0: moving everyone around in the jail, then they finally released, you know, the unit that I wanted to go to from No Movement, and this was last week when I finally got myself into here. Well, now we've gone on No Movement and they've locked our unit down because... uh, somebody tested
1: positive I guess and so we're all just in here so I want to touch base on like changes with covid you said somebody tested positive in your in your unit or, yeah okay so what are what is that like they put a piece of paper on the door
0: that faces outward so that people walking in the hall because the way that these are these units are done is there's like plate glass windows well they're not glass I'm sure they're uh, like polycarbonate <laughs> windows, <laughs> and there's, right, there's a little, uh, there's a little uh, piece, there's an 8-by-11 sheet of paper posted on the door that says this housing, movement, housing unit is on no movement, so there's no cop in here, and there's no, basically there's no interaction between outside and inside um, of this unit, and I think there's like six housing units, or more um, on no movement right now. Um, what was interesting to me was that we, this happened to us literally right after I got done doing my job, and my job was to go from housing unit to housing unit, and there was like four of us on this detail, and fill up bottles, and basically touch everything that we, you know, touch everything, and bring it all back, and yeah. touch everything, and bring it all back, and then we all came back here. So we did all of that before we went on no movement. So it was essentially... I mean, I just don't understand the rationale of, like, how this shit's even done. Like,
1: yeah. it doesn't make any
0: sense because it's not protecting anybody. It's not, But I'm fine with it because I don't want to have to go all the way to the courthouse to go to court.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about your court appearance via Zoom. Let's let's hear about it.
0: No. Yeah, that's all. It I mean, that's literally all it was. <laughs> it was. So my uh, attorney, like, I popped on the computer about, it made sense. Just like, yeah, okay sounds good just like, every, you know, just like everything else it's like yeah okay well what do you really want me to do about it <laughs> I go, yeah I mean, this is what he said is the, is the
1: right thing to do so I just have to go with it I'm not you know the one with the law degree you may not have a law degree but you're allowed an opinion I mean from before what are the differences how do you feel about it
0: oh you know as far as lawyers are concerned like now we don't even have to leave the office you know at least we had to leave the office and go and you know we interact with our clients at court now we don't even I don't, you know, I didn't get a private minute with my lawyer before we had this appearance. They brought in a laptop, and I sat down at the laptop. And my judge's face was there, my uh, attorney's face was there, and the prosecutor's face was there, and the court reporter. You know, like I said, I'm like what am I going to say? Like, hey, wait a minute, everybody, shut your your audio off for a second, you know, so I can talk to my lawyer. Like, no, honestly, like I'm trusting him, and so like that's what I'm doing. I hope I'm, I hope I'm not you know, a bit on the ass for it,
1: but... Yeah, I mean, asking people to just shut their stuff down, uh, something tells me that's not going to work out how you want it to, but it all kind of sounds problematic to me. I'm, I'm just hoping for the best and preparing for the worst, and I
0: think that it's going to be okay. I'm blessed to have a uh, a lawyer that is as a, on top of his game as mine is, um, but that doesn't make the United States of America move any faster. Yeah. So that's what we're just waiting on.
1: Yeah, I mean, getting back to COVID changes, you entered at a really unique time in history right now. Can you explain more about the differences there?
0: So like for me, because of COVID, when I came in here, it was a two-week quarantine, which means like I was locked down in a two-man cell for 23 hours a day, plus, so we got one hour out to shower, and you just got out with your cellmate, with your cellie, and so like that's how they're mitigating the pandemic here in a county jail environment. So like you can't six feet socially distant, you know, when you're, when there's a cop, you know, two feet away from you, they have to make sure that everybody is clean, you know, before they release them into the general population. So like it was actually pretty cool um, because I got filled up with somebody who I worked with for a long time. Okay. And uh, he, yeah, he was, he's a really cool guy. We got along really well. He's retired from there, so he was there for, like, 22-something years. and uh, So we talked a lot about that. He gave me some direction as far as that was concerned, you know. So when I get out, I'm able to uh, get my job back. And, um, you know, how that would kind of work in that environment, he, he actually, uh, he's got a very minor charge. So that was cool. But so we got out for an hour a day. Uh, we never got to go outside or anything. And then on the weekends, you don't get out at all. So you're locked down from whenever you get out on a Friday to Monday and they're alternating schedules. So like if you get out on fr- on a Friday in the morning time, then they don't let you out until the evening time on Monday. So you're at about, you're at about 72 hours. Uh, of being in a single room with another individual. Uh, No contact with your family or anything. You can't use the phones. You can't do anything all for that whole first weekend. Two weekends, actually. Uh, I got here on a Thursday, and I didn't go to court until Monday, and it was through a video visit. So it's actually the way that they're doing federal court is they're not taking you to the federal courthouse or anything. You're doing everything on a Zoom a 10-minute appearance,
1: not even a 10-minute appearance, you know, where they just decide whether or not to hold you. So, normally you would be taken to your court appearance, now you're just pulled into a Zoom meeting for court. Uh, There's gotta be a name for that. Zoom court? Why not? Uh, But then, no matter what, then and now, you get taken back to your unit. So, I don't know anything about your unit I'd like to know more, but I'm sure other people would too. Uh, tell me about that. It's a pretty well run unit that I'm in. It's a little loud this morning. Don't you worry. I'm gonna have the producer just mute you whenever I'm talking and we're gonna call it good. <laughs> Wait, so talking oh, about the yeah. units and we're having this issue with COVID. Yeah. Are you guys offering? are they offering vaccines to you guys? Or how is that? Yeah, going I was vaccinated me? here. Okay. I got all right. vaccinated
0: in uh early May because I knew what the treatment center they were sending me to was like and I knew that there was a very high probability that I was going to be back in here and I was not wanting to go through the two weeks of lockdown where they lock you in a cell for two weeks and they just basically watch you you know it's it's, it was the worst time I've ever done
1: so you're locked in a cell in an isolated type environment for two weeks, they're watching you 24-7. You're left alone with your thoughts. This, not to be melodramatic, but it kind of sounds like something from a horror movie. I mean, how do people cope with this?
0: Until Monday, you're locked in a two-man cell with another person with zero interaction with, with any, anybody. And that was that was some of the hardest shit I've ever gone through. I'm not going to lie. Like, like, I was going crazy. I came into the county jail sober for the first time in my entire life. And that was a big difference. Um... But it's a lot easier to come into county jail and detox when you're when you're just like completely dead to the world than when you're completely conscious of like everybody and everything around you. So like, oh, yeah,
1: yeah. But, I that.
0: but yeah, like basically, there's like six or eight units here at the jail that are on no movement status, which just means we can't go to classes, we can't go to, we
1: can't do anything. So if you're on no movement and there's no police officer in your unit. Right. How are you guys, are you guys getting food delivered? Is that, like, how is that, yeah, how is that the food
0: working? Com- no, the food always comes on carts. Okay. So the food comes on the same cart, it just gets pushed in, and then the door closed.
1: Oh, I <laughs> and see. And then
0: you, what you do is you have two porters in every unit, and the porters hand out the food, and, you know, they're sort of like, trustees, I've never experienced any trouble here where people, like, don't get the food that they want, but I have been, not not once, but the food that they are issued. Right. But I have been places like down in Leavenworth at CCA, where the food just gets left in the unit, and, and it's pretty much every man for himself. And you oh. have to fight somebody for your tray. You know, like I mean, that's that's a sick environment to have. Like, because there's always going to be weak people. You know, we're, I don't really want to say it like that. Like, the people are weak, but just more passive people. People that you know just aren't going to do what they have to do. Like, I'm certainly more of a passive person when I'm in the real world, you know, like I'm not going to go around starting shit with people and things like that. Yeah, but
1: yeah.
0: at the same time, like you push the wrong buttons and I'm going to do what I have to do. And that's every, you know, I think sane, you know, mid 30 to 40 year old person <laughs> I would hope, you know, would be, yeah. would be able to uh, stand up for themselves and, and, and but handle people in a diplomatic way. And, and that's the way I try to do it.
1: But yeah, yeah, and you
0: don't cool really exactly. have too much here. I've not experienced a tremendous amount of that. And that is one, one thing to say about, you know, Douglas County is, you know, like, I've never felt, you know, any, any real danger here. It's really when you get on to the bigger, the higher-ups that you got to start worrying about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I believe that. Well, I'm glad that you aren't facing some of that right now. That's really good to hear.
0: Well, yeah, thank you. Me too. It makes things a lot more ridiculous when you have to fight for your food.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I especially imagine. when you're really
0: hungry, like I typically am <laughs> when I come to jail.
1: When you got your vaccination, you mentioned yeah. not wanting to do the two-week observation. That kind of sounds like the shoe that we talked about in season one, just a little it bit. It is. It's the same thing. The same exact. Okay, cool. So, yep. that,
0: okay, I'm
1: connecting the dots now. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, and I know, like. Yeah, and they paid us $10 a piece to do it. Then i you five macro Justin. <laughs> I kid you not. That is how I judge everything in budgeting now. You know those old commercials? What was it? Like uh, Burger King? With the sandwiches, you could get, oh, that's five Whoppers or. Burgers, whatever it was. But those old commercials, that's what I think of for mackerel now. Uh for those of you that I've lost already, if you go back to season one, check out our episode on currency. Back then it was federal and it was one dollar for a bag of mackerel. Now it's two. So I'm just saying my math is correct. It would still be five bags of mackerel, not ten. But I digress. Anyway, so everyone's dying to know. What happened, what you feel about how you got back in prison or jail I should say, with COVID, did you feel supported for reintegration into society or did you feel like you needed more help?
0: I definitely need, need help. You know what I mean? Like I continuously need help. But when I got out, I did really well. And I had a full-time job, which I went to every day. And sometimes most of the time, it was six to seven days a week. I maybe pushed it a little too hard. And then on top of that, like I went to three meetings a week on my own. I was never mandated to do that. And I had everything set up to prevent me from going down that road. The problem was, and I'm not making excuses, it was my own decision, but when COVID hit, Everything fell apart. Like, I had no meetings anymore to go to. I never, ever had a meeting with my PO, not one time. Um, And this is the person that they put in your life to try to help, you know, guide you. I mean, I'm gone for six years, and, you know, all of a sudden, my entire support system is pulled out from under me. My cousin relapses. My best friend relapses. So there's, yeah, there's going to be challenges like that that pop up all of a sudden this happened and I literally have no support system for several months. Things went awry and that's gonna happen in those kind of, you know, situations, especially when you're dealing with a meth addict, you know, and so like I'm not making excuses, like I said, I deserve consequences for my behavior. But at the same time you know that there was a lot of things that they
1: should take into consideration. I have to agree with you, of course. When it comes to your case, I'm pretty biased. I you're my friend, and and I want you out. But aside from that, taking a step back, this is an unprecedented situation. One for you know, right now we're talking about COVID actively happening and all the ramifications involved in that, and the lack of support. Uh, And just pre-planning for that. But then in general, if you take a step back or if the system were to take a step back and take this as an opportunity to encourage and grow reform, I think we'd see such amazing strides in the future and how things are handled, but how much we could affect people being incarcerated going forward. You know, people do get out and they work their asses off. They sorry, butts, but people work their butts off and they are good citizens and they just need the chance to prove themselves. But more importantly, they need the support to prove themselves. And this is one example of how our fragile system can just fail us utterly, but it's not an isolated incidence. And right now it's prominent with COVID, but it could apply for any number of situations. I do think that although COVID is happening right now, This isn't something that can't repeat itself, whether that's a pandemic or some other upheaval. This is something that can happen again, cultural and social upheaval. So why don't we take the time and the energy to reform as we should? And I uh, kind of nip some of that in the bud as much as we can. We look at places like Australia, for example. Um, shout out to you Australian listeners. But you don't have this kind of system. And it's been much more successful not having it and having other things in place than ours has. And I really think we can learn something from other countries, whether it's Australia or other places. You know, reform and reentry and sustainability concepts put in place is much more successful than just punitive measures. They don't fix the problem that's already happened, which is why the person's incarcerated, but they also don't prevent future issues either. So if we could just cut it off at the beginning, we could prevent future overpopulation in the prison system, but also just the workload on the system itself. Moreover, I mean, what does that say to someone who is working really hard to stay on the straight and narrow, right? All you're doing, is negative reinforcement, that certainly doesn't help the situation at all. And what does that tell them for all their efforts, you know? I don't want all of
0: the things that I've worked for to fall off because of a one mistake that I made. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like yeah. there should be some level of, okay, well, you know what? He messed up, yes. But at the same time, he's done this, 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 and this, and none of it makes any difference. All the good you do is canceled out by one mistake every single time. And there's people I I see get away with, not murder, but, like, that's kind of a terrible uh, analogy to make, you know, in this environment. But, like, people get away with a lot. You know, like, there's no consistency in the system.
1: As people, I think consistency is really important for just having a, a sense of feeling like something's fair or could be justified as fair or understandable. So I think, although I've never been in prison myself, I don't have anything to relate to this. I can relate to the, that feeling, so I can only imagine how compounded it must be. But then I wonder not only for the inmates, but you also have to worry about staff members. Like, what is it like for them? Because yeah, people get away with things. Uh, not to you know sound flippant about it, but you know some people get away with things, some people don't. But what does that mean for everyone else involved too? You know, or we got to lock this mod down, so that means we can cut two staff members for this particular part of the jail. Like, And at the end of the day, you know, it really just hurts the, the bottom of the barrel, the people that,
0: you know, struggle the most. Um, I think that in corrections, you know, they already suffer from a inherent lack of care. And that's only because it is an industry without supervision. It's the fox guarding the hen house. Everybody in this kind of environment is so beat down in general. You know, like, you can only have so much care and concern for other people and then be burned so many times before you just kind of get calloused. And I think that that's the reason that a lot of times people in these kind of environments go unnoticed and go uncared for is because it's just people are calloused. You know, like, they've been burned so many times. Like, oh, I want to help this person when he hears you back again. Happened again, get Ori lied about this or she lied about that, you know? And like, it's just, it's such a bad environment. There are people that care. There's super nice people in this world and there's super nice people in these kind of environments.
1: That is so true. And I really hope we can stress you guys. There are some beautiful, wonderful people out there that are on the other side of this story and we appreciate them all the more for it. Um, for example, there's a couple people at my, my, grandfather's prison that really have made the experience of being closer to him that much easier, but that much more impactful, too. There's
0: there's, giving good that comes from this, and there's also bad that comes
1: from it. Oh, for sure. Definitely. I think one thing to keep in mind is that Everyone pulls something different from their experience. So whether you are a person who has been detained, or a friend, or a family member, or a coworker, even it affects everyone differently. And what you walk away with, depending on your experiences, really makes uh, makes all the difference for both negative and positive. And I think it's a mix of both for every interaction. Right? You have the emotional roller coaster, just the whole the whole gambit, and then you have all the uncertainty on top of it. Which just, it compounds absolutely everything emotionally you're going through, but even mentally, too.
0: You know, like, for me, like, I don't know how long I'm going to be in here. You know, like, I don't know how long I'm going to be anywhere.
1: Right, but most importantly, you don't know how long you're going to be away from your family. And to me, that's the most heart-wrenching part about all of it. I, this is part of why we're having these conversations, right? Whether it's you or my relationship with my own grandfather, this affects so many people we just don't have visibility to, and no one's talking about it. So for those of you who follow us on social media, um, we're going to start a new hashtag, hashtag CountingUsAll. I just brought chills. Well, I am really glad you like it. That'll be new and coming around. For those of you who already have been following us online, I've been using hashtag IWillBeCounted. But it turns out that's been used for other things, so we're going to switch it up a bit. I'll probably still tag it for a while, but just so you guys have a heads up.
0: So hopefully we'll be able to get some things going here, though, on this
1: end, some testimonies kind of like this. Yeah, I know for me that's definitely a priority. Um, We do tell stories, and we're pretty jovial overall, but for me it's really important to reach out, have that connection with people who are also struggling with some of these things, and let them know they're not alone. You know, and whether that's exactly. on a personal basis, I hope... I mean, I know some people have already reached out to me that we are making a personal change for people, but even on a on a larger scale, uh, like volunteer work, for example, it really right. is eye-opening. There's so many organizations out there that just are... You have 60 seconds remaining. That are Everybody just, always is like, oh, I hate she comes on. Yeah. <laughs> the first time you called, I had some serious flashbacks from when I was a kid, you know, just waiting for Grandpa oh, to wow. call and... Oh my gosh, Like I wanted to cry.
0: Oh my gosh, I had no idea.
1: Um yeah, but it, it's things like that. Like we are reaching people. Yeah. Hey, I have a
0: question about your grandfather.
1: Okay, go ahead, yes, I'm listening.
0: Does he have a nickname?
1: Brian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> does he have like a prison nickname? I've never asked. I would just like to like to find out if he has a nickname that everybody in the prison system calls
1: him. We'll touch back on prison nicknames, because I, I have that written down, and we will definitely touch back on that. Okay. I'm so excited already. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I mean, me too. Sort of excited and nervous. <laughs> Join us on Facebook via Count Time Podcast, hashtag True prison Podcast hashtag Counting Us All. Produced by Daniel Argobright and Laura Leatherwood. Music by Matt Williams and Elliot Torres. Art by Nick Chalupa at Hikari Studios. Thank you for listening and just remember, we're all your neighbors.